Uh, If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, we'll continue our series looking at Christ the Lord and all the reasons we should adore Him. We'll be looking at verses 21 through 23, but our focus this morning is on verse 23. This is God's Word. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is God's word. Let's pray that he would teach us this morning. Heavenly Father, reveal to us Christ, the Lord of hope, that we might hold fast to him. Not shifting, but stable and steadfast until the end. That what we hold to by faith might then become sight. All to the glory of Christ our Lord. We pray in his name. Amen. What can just a little hope do? Right? When when your life is devoid of hope, there's, there's nothing left but despair. There's... No reason to take another step forward. There is sadness and avoidance and depression and fear and dread. What can just a little hope do? It's like a candle in a dark room. It it takes what, what is oppressive what blinds, what what leaves you with nothing to see. And it brings light even to the darkest corners of that place. What can just a little hope do? Even for you. In a world that is full of darkness and despair, in a world that abounds with sad diagnoses, bad news, and unrelenting injustice. What can just a little hope do? If you'll permit me to be silly for a minute. My dog does not particularly care to go to the vet or the groomer. And inevitably, when we're there, he's nervous and anxious and wants nothing more than to get out of there, no matter how nice the groomer, no matter how nice the vet is. But here's the thing about him. He loves to get in the car. Because there's always hope that maybe this time we're going somewhere fun. We're going to go see his cousin dogs. We're going to go see... Somebody new, we're going to go to the office. We're going to, 
We're going to go play in a field. There's always this hope. And so it doesn't matter if it's that regularly scheduled appointment, same time every year. Remy, you want to go for a ride? He is all in. You can't stop him. He can't wait. Just a little bit of hope makes it all better. Consider then that in this bleak, dark world, our Lord Jesus doesn't just give us a little hope. He gives us an ultimate hope because he's the Lord of hope. What he offers us is unshakable. It is unbreakable and it is incorruptible. What I want to do this morning is just briefly consider this good news, this gospel hope, that we might see it afresh and anew and take it out with us into this world that can be so bleak and hopeless. Christ, the Lord gives us good news of an unshakable hope. And the first thing I want us to consider about it is this good news, this gospel hope, isn't something to do. And this is important for us to consider. It's maybe the most important place for us to start because we have a tendency as human beings to always look for a command. Something to obey, something to do, something to take, some instruction to learn, some response to say. We're always looking for something, even in gift giving. In this Christmas season, maybe if you are so fortunate, you will be blessed by receiving a gift from someone that you didn't get anything for. And what's our response? Oh, oh but I didn't get you anything. And we're racked with guilt. And, and, we're, and we're thinking, well, what? is there something I can re-gift? Is there something I can tear the tag off real quickly? Like, we, we don't just know how to just receive a kindness. But if you notice in this verse 23, this hope of the gospel, gospel here just means good news, this good news of hope, it's something that's proclaimed. Everywhere under heaven. It's something that was heard by these early Christians. It's something to be believed. It's the only response that it's looking for is faith. Good news. the, The gospel of hope isn't something to do. It's an announcement that's proclaimed, that's heard, that's believed. It is a proclamation of who God is and what He has done, the work that He has wrought, the salvation that He brings for His people. And so if we are to to take hold of of this incorruptible, unshakable hope, we've got to start in this place. It doesn't call upon us to do anything to get it. God has announced it 
this hope of the gospel, hope of the good news that has been proclaimed, leaves us nothing to do but receive it with joy and thanksgiving, to believe it. And yet, perhaps we are going to look for ways to turn this hope of the gospel into a commandment to follow. We're going to center our hope on how we're doing spiritually. We're going to center our hope on how our circumstances are going and whether or not we're living our best life now. We're going to center our hope on how the people around us are are, are doing and, and how they're responding to us and encouraging us. And, and we're going to center our hope on all of these things that will falter and fail and not on the unshakable promise and proclamation of God. This is why it's, it's so significant that throughout the, the centuries, the church keeps coming back and retelling the Christmas story. How many different ways can you tell it? But that same old story announces an eternal, unshakable hope. Our God himself took on flesh, walked among us, bore our sins in his body, died the death we deserved, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, where he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, where he is now gathering his people and making all his and our enemies a footstool for his feet. He hasn't left us much to do, but to believe that he is faithful. He will do it. That's our hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news isn't something to do. It's something to hear and believe. The second thing I want us to consider about this gospel hope is that this good news of hope can be really, really, really hard to believe. We find bad news way more believable than good news. Uh, even, even the internet scams have, have figured this out. Like, gone are the days where Nigerian princes are emailing me with this bountiful blessing of riches beyond measure if I could only help them transfer it to this safe bank account. Now all the scams are... Your UPS package hasn't been delivered. Click this link to fix the problem now. Your, your credit union bank account has been hacked. Click this link. to fix. They're all like these messages of bad news. We in the office got a message that a, a, a spam message had been quarantined and we fretted over whether or not this bad news, good news was a scam or not. Like anything bad. It just makes you panic. Like, oh no, I need to do something about it. I need to fix it. I need to get my package. I don't think I ordered a package, but if it's not going to be delivered, I need to fix this now. 
We order things off of Amazon and we just forget whether or not and some, something shows up at the door. And so who knows? Maybe I forgot about this package. It's bad news and we believe it. But good news, that's harder, harder to believe. Is, is the cancer in remission? Did I, did I really get a, a Christmas bonus? That's why shifting from the hope of the gospel is a real danger. And why Paul reminds us that all of Christ's work of reconciliation was in order to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And so we should not shift from that hope. Because the danger is if we do shift from that gospel hope, we are shifting from the only hope of salvation that we have. If not Christ, then who? You? Can you stand before the eternal, righteous, and holy God on your own merit? If not Christ, then what? Do you own enough good things to purchase your eternal life? If we shift from the hope of the gospel, we shift from our only hope of salvation. And this is why the devil prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, seeking, if possible, to cause even the elect to lose their faith, to falter where they stand, to lose hope. What are the things that are tempting you to lose hope? Are your circumstances just impossible? That you don't see a way out. Like it's one thing when you're going through a difficult project, but you know the deadline and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But have your circumstances become so heavy that there is no light at the end of the tunnel and you feel like you're just lying to yourself to say there is? Is it your own soul that you've begun to see parts of yourself that are so dark and so heavy and so wayward that you're beginning to wonder, can the eternal God of the universe really bother with you? Can he overcome the things that you have done? Can he really deal with the shame that you bear? never seems to go away, that always seems to crop up, that seems unrelenting. Reminded, this good news can be hard to believe because it's such 
good news. That there is a God who promises to wipe every tear from the eyes of his people. Who promises to bring them to a place where there is no more death. Where there is no more shame. Who has promised that he has already in his body borne the sin and the guilt and the shame of his people so that they do not bear that burden any longer, but are free to live in hope. The resurrection from the dead. There is no circumstance. There is no sin that is bigger than the good news that our God declares. It's hard to believe, but it's worth believing. Last thing I want us to consider is that this good news of hope never stops being good news. And maybe we should end with this point because of our tendency to always wait for the other shoe to drop. We don't believe that good news lasts. I mean, the whole news cycle is built on this. You know, they, they save the good news for the end, but we know they're just going to start the next broadcast with the bad news. It's bowl season now, and we know how our football team, oh, they have this great season, and then they get blown out by the Air Force in a bowl game. We know that they, you keep having to go back for the checks and the tests because you're never really sure all of it's gone. I think good news is temporary. And sometimes we treat the good news that God gives us the same way. And we think to ourselves, that's awesome that the Lord Jesus came the Christmas story is wonderful. His sacrifice on the cross is encouraging. And, 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 and the freedom that I have in him is wonderful, but now I guess it's up to me. And we follow up the good news, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, this word of hope with the bad news that we better make it work. And that's bad news, because if I have to make it work, But if you have to make it work, one thing's for sure, it's not going to work. But the good news never stops being good. And that's why in this passage, with this little word, if indeed, oh, these scary words, Jesus will present you before the throne, if, if what, if what, what do I need to do? What word do I need to obey? What what thing do I need to take? What command do I need to memorize? What response do I need to say? What is left for me, if indeed you continue in the faith? Stable and steadfast. If you continue believing the good news. If you continue holding to the the hope of the gospel. If you never lose sight 
of how good this good news is and how at every step of your life, God calls you to come back again and again and again and revisit the glory of this good news that in Christ we have everlasting life. In Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins. In Christ, we are made right with God. He is at work to bring us fully and completely home to live forever with him. That gospel hope doesn't just get us started in the Christian faith. It is the power that enables us to do anything, to just live the Christian life. Now to the end. Which is why earlier in this chapter, Paul can say how certain he is. That the Lord will present his people holy and blameless and above reproach. Because the hope of the gospel is centered in Christ. Who he is, what he has and is and will do. And if we will continue to the end, we continue only we hold fast to that confession, that good news, hope. And so we have this Christmas season, another opportunity to remember and revisit those old things that never grow old. Those ancient truths that don't become corrupted. That the Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, took on flesh, was born in the most humble way possible. As a child, laid in a manger, lived a perfect life, died for your sins and mine, rose again from the dead as a vindication of his work. Ascended to heaven where he is seated now at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, where he will come again to judge the living and the dead and bring his people home to be with him forever in a new heavens, in a new earth where there are no more tears, there is no more guilt, there is no more shame. We have an opportunity in this season to go back to that gospel of hope, that we might never lose sight of Jesus, who is the Lord of hope. Let's worship and adore him. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your incredible work on our behalf and the announcement of it that is a powerful truth. It's the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, this gospel hope. Lord, help us to cling to it. Help us to rejoice in it. Help us to live in it until we see you face to face. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.